0: This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Mario Diaz. We left our story with an amazing discussion of the sons of Leah and the change we see in her through the naming of her children and the providence of God, which has been a theme all along our journey. This God who is never a victim of earthly circumstances but who is in complete control of every situation and whose wisdom, though beyond our full comprehension, is unimpeachable. We saw that she named his son Judah saying, this time I will praise the Lord. And we noted that the promised Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Now, I stated that because I did not want to jump ahead too far, but I know some of you are astute enough to be wondering about that fact. So, let me pause here and do a quick preview of what we will see as we near the end of our story with respect to the Messiah coming from the line of Judah. In Genesis 49, Jacob, near his death, calls to himself his 12 sons representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and he prophesies about their descendants. In verse 10, he addresses Judah and says this, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The reference to the scepter and the ruler's staff points us to kingship. King David will indeed come from the tribe of Judah, as you might expect, and there are numerous other prophecies associated with that link between David and the Messiah. But also the breadth and scope of the promise reminds us of the eternal nature of Messiah's lordship john's vision of the last days in revelation 5 5 notes behold the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david has conquered there is of course much more to discover down that rabbit trail but for now that is just a taste and we must get back to our story genesis chapter 30 shift the focus to rachel she is jealous of leah's many sons and so she expresses that frustration towards Jacob, who basically says, take it over with God. I cannot do anything about it. So Rachel implements the plan she has seen others in her family attempt. She will give her servant Bilhah to Jacob to bear her a son. So Bilhah conceives Dan and then Naphtali. Then we are told Leah gets jealous and gives Jacob her servant Silpa, and they bore Gad, and later Asher. This is what jealousy and envy will do to you, by the way. They will consume you. There is no end to the struggle it will spark within you. So beware of it, do not indulge in it. As if that wasn't enough, we're told the story of a time when Rachel asked Leah, for some, mandrakes, a type of Mediterranean berry. And an argument ensued that leads to Leah getting Jacob to herself for a time. And she bears another son who was called Issachar, and then a sixth son called Zebulun. And after that, a daughter named Dinah. Rachel then had Joseph, a very important figure that we will briefly look at later on. Children were viewed very differently in ancient times. Remember that there is no Walmart in those days. You work for what you eat daily. So children are workers, really. They are essential to survival. So it is at this point when Jacob has 11 sons and a daughter that he goes to Laban because he wants to branch out on his own. You will recall that Laban has dealt deceitfully with Jacob, who has been the best thing that ever happened to Laban, as the Lord has blessed him because of Jacob. Therefore, Laban wants Jacob to stay, and he tells him, Name your price. Note that Jacob, after all these years, was willing to depart with nothing, just his family. He had the promise of God that he would be with him. But now God will bless him with much wealth even through Laban's treacherous dealings. Laban readily admits that he has witnessed God's hand upon Jacob. How could he not? And he will try to do anything to keep him there. So Jacob tells him that since the sheep are usually white and the goats black, he will take as his payment the spotted or speckled ones, which are comparatively rare, for himself. Jacob's reasoning seems to be that Laban could never accuse him of stealing when the Lord inevitably blesses him, since the natural marks of the cattle would tell the story. The proposal seems great to Laban, who knew he was at a great advantage, ordinarily speaking, and treacherous as he was, He went and took the speckled and spotted animals and gave them to his son, keeping him separate from Laban's flock, so as to put him at a disadvantage straight out of the gate. But no matter, God is with Jacob, and he is confident on his breeding abilities. Therefore, he employs a variety of methods to ensure he breeds speckled and spotted sheep and lamb And it happened that the stronger and best of them went to Jacob, and the more feeble to Laban. Thus, his wealth increased greatly. Now, don't miss it. God did that. We are told that explicitly in chapter 31. Here's how Jacob explained it, starting in verse 6. He told Rachel and Leah, You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, The spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, The striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that made it with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes and see. All the goats that made with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled." For I have seen all that Laban has done to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Jacob was explaining to Rachel and Leah why they needed to leave. The Lord was commanding him to leave. But the account reveals to us some deep truths about the God of Jacob. He works in mysterious ways. For the benefit of those who love him. Those he has chosen to serve him in various ways. Note how he uses the injustice against Jacob and the wrongdoings of many people, including Jacob's own failures. Remember, he first came there fearing his brother's retaliation against his own treachery. God uses all of it to bless Jacob. Think of all that has happened These are decades of hardship, but God has remained faithful through it all. He will even redeem Rachel and Leah, who in a moment of candor show, starting in verse 14, their resentment against their father for, quote, selling them. This is not lost on them. They say all that Jacob has earned from Laban was simply the portion that their father owed them. They had been cheated by their own father. They are ready to leave with Jacob. And this time Jacob will not ask for permission. He fled while Laban was away and set for his father's Isaac's house in Canaan. But there was more trouble unbeknownst to Jacob. While they were leaving and Laban was away, Rachel stole some household gods from her father. She knew Jacob served only Yahweh, so it is likely that she did this to inflict some sort of damage in her father more than anything else, but we don't know for sure. They set out and crossed the Euphrates before the word reached Laban after three days. Proving Jacob's wisdom in living in secret, Laban gathers a band of his people and goes after him for seven days keeping close after him by the hill country of Gilead, we are told. His intentions are not good. But then God appears to Laban in a dream to warn him not to say anything to Jacob, good or bad, verse 24. So when he catches him, Laban just asks him why he fled and tells him about the dream. Jacob says he was afraid, and understandably so. But then Laban asks about the stolen goods. Jacob, not knowing what Rachel has done, says, "'Anyone whom you find your god shall not live.' He was sure he hadn't taken them. Now Rachel, knowing what she had done, took the gods and put them in a camel's seat and sat on them, telling his father she could not rise because, quote, "'The way of the women is upon me,' end quote. So Laban did not find them. Then Jacob explodes, thinking he was once again being unjustly treated, And he vents on all he has endured under Laban's hand. It was a lot. He concludes in verse 41, These twenty years I have been in your house. I have served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction, he says, and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Laban then proposes and they indeed make a covenant, making a heap and a pillar that it may be a witness, they say, quote, that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm, end quote. And so each go their separate ways. Jacob's new liberty is met with a supernatural occurrence starting in chapter 32, where Jacob is met with, quote, the angels of God, end quote. Upon seeing them, he says, this is God's camp, and that is all that we're told about this vision. We must save all our questions for another occasion because we don't know much about this one. Jacob sends word ahead to his brother Esau. Remember, Esau has sworn to kill him once their father Isaac has died. Jacob sends word of where he has been and that he has acquired much wealth in order to find favor in Esau's sight. Their response was not exactly what he was hoping for. His brother sends word that he is coming to meet him and nothing else. And oh, by the way, he's coming with 400 men. Yikes. We are told that Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He should be, right? We all would be. This is one of the great and sad things about sin in our lives. It shames us. It makes us afraid and unsure. We know what we deserve and we therefore lose our footing, feeling we will be exposed as frauds. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob always takes the focus away from our feeble and sinful nature and puts it on His goodness and mercy and grace. We have hope because of His nature, not because of ours. But in his fear, Jacob divides his camp in two, thinking that if Esau attacks one camp, the other can escape. That's how real this is to him. And here is the other thing he does. He prays. And I want to read this prayer to you because it is a great example for us. Listen to this. This is Genesis 32, verses 8 to 12. Jacob says, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children." But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. We can learn a lot from this prayer. Notice how Jacob leans on what the Lord has told him. He says, You, Lord of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, you told me to come to my brother. You have promised to do me good, therefore deliver me. He does not say, God, see how good I am, how righteous I've been, pay me back. No, he pleads to God for God's goodness, because he knows this God will not go back on his word. And from that, he pleads for deliverance. This is why it is important for us to study the scriptures and know what the Lord has said. His words are true. His words are sure. He does not relent on his promises. And when we pray, we can lean on them and say, Lord, deliver me, for you have said X, Y, and Z. This principle will help us in very practical ways to make decisions, to intercede for our loved ones. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still listening today. Note, too, that Jacob still acts on his best judgments, even as he prays to God. We have seen over and over that this God will act through our actions, through the words and the deeds of men to accomplish His perfect will. So we need not be paralyzed by circumstances. We can pray, and as we wait on the Lord, we can act in confidence. Here, Jacob takes a whole bunch of his animals and possessions and sends them ahead in waves to his brother so that Esau will be receiving gifts from Jacob all the way as he gets closer to him. And his hope is that Esau's anger, if it still lingers, may be appeased by his gesture, that he may forgive him for his treachery. Now Jacob and his family are going to cross the Jabbok River, which is a river that flows from Ammon and joins the Jordan River about 15 miles north of the Dead Sea. This is Eastern Palestine, so you can situate yourself on a the map. They are returning to Paranaram to their extended family, now led by his brother Esau. Jacob sends his family and all the possessions across the river, and he stays behind. And we have yet another amazing encounter that will blow our minds, and we'll end with this. As he is alone, and with all his family and the possessions across the river, I'll give it to you just as we read it in Genesis 32, starting on verse 24. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. This is a strange and mysterious event, but an incredibly significant one. See here that this is the place where the people of Israel are born. This figure, who is presented first as a man, and throughout the account presented as representing God himself, right? Right? For he changes his name from Jacob to Israel, quote, For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed, end quote. And Jacob, now Israel, names the place Peniel, quote, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered, end quote. Now, no one has ever seen God. See John 1, 8, or Moses, show me your glory encounter in Exodus 33, 18. But there is a sense in which Jacob is encountering God through this figure. We are familiar with this type of encounter. If you remember when Abraham had the encounter with the burning bush, the account told us that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. That was Genesis 3. But then Abraham proceeds to talk to the Lord as he is identified in the scriptures. That was the amazing encounter where God identified himself to Abraham as I am that I am. That's verse 14 of chapter three. So too here we have this sort of agency where we encounter God himself through this figure. The prophet Hosea is helpful writing of Jacob, in the womb he took his brother by the heel and in his manhood he strove with God he strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us. The Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to your love and justice, and wait continually for your God. That's Hosea 123 to 6. It helps us envision this, quote, wrestling that Jacob had all night. It says he wept and sought his favor. This is more than a physical wrestling. This figure at the desired time touches Jacob's hip and he comes out of joint. So he clearly has more power than Jacob. But this wrestling was somehow necessary. It feels like this involves a deep prayerful encounter. It feels like this is precisely the reason why Jacob stayed back to seek the Lord's face in light of what he was about to face. Jacob met someone, and he was convinced that this figure was of divine origin because it could indeed bless him. He had the authority and the power to do so, and he did. Some see a pre-incarnate Jesus in these encounters where a reference to the angel of God or of man appears in the Old Testament and speaks with the authority of God. Jesus told Philip in John chapter 14 when Philip asked to see the Father, quote, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? That's verse 9 of John 14. So you can see the parallel. However, we are not told this explicitly here. So we take the scripture at its word. And just marvel at this amazing encounter. This is another confidence we can have always with Scripture. It is God's way of revealing what He wants to reveal to us in the way He wants to reveal Himself to us. Nothing more and nothing less. So the things we are not told, there is no need for us to obsess over them. There are things God has chosen not to reveal And we can be at peace with that too. Here we can learn a lot from Jacob. In distress, he sought the face of God. He sought his blessing based on the Lord's goodness, not his own. He wrestled, wept. And in verse 26 of chapter 32, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob wanted to know who this figure was. On verse 29, he asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. And there it is. He receives the blessing that he fought for. Jacob names the place Peniel, saying, I have seen God's face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And he will leave a changed man. He now walks with a noticeable limp because of the injury to his hip. And spiritually, he's a new person. He has had an encounter with God. He has a new name and will walk in the purpose God has chosen for him to establish a people, a new nation, Israel. But we have seen God unfold this plan for many generations now, haven't we? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, is great. He is mighty. His wisdom, unsearchable. His ways, unstoppable. He is worthy of a struggle, of us wrestling like Jacob to receive our blessing. So count me in for that. I hope we can count on you too. And there is much more to come. Stay tuned. I will put my trust in God who alone knows my makeup The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob